0: Today's scripture text comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Cry loudly, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. As a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God, They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire and drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast like this which I choose, a day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast which I choose, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the the bands of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you'll be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will raise up the age old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach. Restore of the streets in which to dwell.
1: Father, I pray that we, having been redeemed with love untold and full of glory, would now become a people devoted to justice and mercy. That our Light might break forth like the dawn. You have been good to us. You have been kind to us. You have been patient with us. For some, this morning's communion is the first communion in a long time. Perhaps the first ever in faith. And I bless you. And ask now, Lord, that as we open this passage in the minutes we have, you would be our teacher. Not just to stock our heads with ideas, but to transform our hearts and set us on a course of dreaming how to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we face now, next week, moving into two worship sites, I want us to be reminded this morning that we have been saved for the sake of God-exalting good works. We have been saved not merely to avoid evil, but to do good. Therefore, the people of Christ should be known, whether in Roseville or downtown or wherever they are, the people of Christ should be known not primarily for what they don't do, but for what they do. You remember how Paul put it, Ephesians 2.10? We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Or you remember how he said it in Titus 2.13, where he said, Christ gave himself to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself a people zealous for good works. Or how Jesus said it in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We have been saved for God-exalting good works. And I want them to abound. If God should grant us growth in Roseville and growth in downtown Minneapolis, may it be a growth in a passion for good works. That's what I hear the Lord saying to us this morning. Today's message is a very simple call to be doers of justice, lovers of mercy and humility before God in Jesus' name. Colossians 3, whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. The text is Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 12. It's all about social justice and all about practical mercy. And Before I apply it to us in our situation, let me review what I said at the table. There are two things we need to keep firmly in mind. One is... That Isaiah, writing at about 700 B.C., 2,700 years ago, knew when he wrote that the Redeemer had not yet come, but that he would come. He would come. A Redeemer is coming. He would bear our sins. He would make many to be accounted righteous. Now, we live not where Isaiah lived, but on the other side of that Redeemer. He has come. And in his coming, he has purchased our forgiveness and he has purchased and brought the justice that Isaiah is calling for in verse or chapter 58. So two things we need to keep in mind. One, he has come and he has bought our forgiveness and all of our acts of injustice And he has lived out and demonstrated and brought the kingdom of justice into the world in a new way with new blood enabling and new spirit enabling. So that we hear Isaiah 58 in a different way than they heard it. Because we know that the Redeemer in chapter 53 is not just out there somewhere coming. He has come. His name is Jesus. He has put Himself on the cross. He has wiped away our sin. He has imputed His righteousness to us. And out of this now flows the obedience of chapter 58. So hear it, Christian, as a Christian. When He came, He came to His own town. Luke 4, verse 18. He opened the skull of Isaiah and He read chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, he came to fulfill chapter 58. And now, redeemed by him. And called into his fellowship. And united to him. We with him and by him, do the same. So, it's very crucial that we understand and get into chapter 58. Here's the point of Isaiah 58. Piety, and I, I do not regard that as a negative word. It's both positive and negative, It's going to be negative first. Piety that does not produce a passion for God-exalting social justice and practical mercy is useless and displeasing to the Lord. Put it positively. God promises that we will break forth like the dawn. If our piety produces a passion for social justice and practical mercy. Let's start at the beginning. The first five verses of Isaiah 58 are an indictment of piety without a passion for justice. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation who did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. In other words, they are pious. They are religious. They are Bible-reading, praying people. They even enjoy reading their Bibles and praying. They delight in religious practice, and they don't enjoy God and his ways, his judgments, his decisions Rather, they enjoy self-justifying religion, forsaking the judgments of God. And so Bethlehem now, take heed as we move and expand and grow. Grant, O God, that our private piety would not be without public fruit. God is not pleased with their Bible reading. He is not pleased with their praying. He is not pleased with their going to church and lifting their hands and bowing their heads like reeds. And so they ask, verse 3, Why have we fasted and you see not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And God answers, that their fasting and their self-afflictions are a covering for finding pleasure in unjust gain. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. You use people to make your life easy. Oh, how relevant Monday is to the authenticity of Sunday. You fast. You make yourself look low and pious and prayerful. And God says, I see your business practices. I see your attitudes to workers on Monday. I see your merciless, harsh, oppressing ways of dealing with people at work. Verse 4. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and fight and hit with wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? In other words, the authenticity of worship and piety on Sunday is shaped and validated or not by our justice on Monday. There's an old sermon, at least it's been around 20 or 30 years. Tony Campolo, I think, has done the best with it. And it's called, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And it's all about taking people in their pain of Good Friday and telling them, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And that was the refrain over and over. It's Friday in your life, but Sunday's coming. We need a new sermon. And it would go like this. It's Sunday. Monday's coming. Your hands are lifted. It's Sunday. What does he think of it? Monday's coming. You'll find out. We got our heads bowed on Sunday. It's Sunday. Monday's coming. You'll find out whether he likes that prayer or not. We need a new sermon. It's Sunday. Monday's coming. And on Monday, you'll find out whether it meant anything on Sunday. How do you treat your workers? How do you treat the homeless on the way to work? Will the piety of Sunday produce a passion for justice on Monday is the question of Isaiah 58. Now, what does it look like, this justice that God is after? Verses 6 and 7, and part of verses 9 and 10. Verse 6. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the straps of the yoke? To let the oppressed go free? To break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him? And not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then look in the middle of verse 9. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. How do we sum that up? In addition to all the important need, the all-important need. For faith and forgiveness and personal holiness, Isaiah and Jesus are passionately concerned about three kinds of need here. One, the need for freedom from bondage and oppression. Four times. This one is the one he hits more than any others. Four times in verse 6 and once in verse 9 he hits it. Loose the bonds of wickedness. Undo the straps of the yoke. Let the oppressed go free. Break every yoke. Verse 9. Take away the yoke from your midst. You can't miss Isaiah's concern with oppression. There are forms of it in America. And there are worse forms of it in Sudan and many other countries And there are Christian brothers. And I'll tell you, distance means little here. Second, the need for food. Verse 7. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Third, the need for housing. Next phrase. Is it not to bring the homeless into your house? Fourth. The need for clothing. Is this not the fast that I choose? When you see the naked to cover him? Fifth, the need for respect. I get that from verse 9 in the middle. Take away the pointing of the finger. The speaking of wickedness. That is, I think... The, the accusing unjustly and the belittling. The exploiting. So Isaiah preaches, Jesus displays and suffers to cleanse us so that our piety, our piety will produce a passion for social justice and practical mercy. If it doesn't, our piety, all this event on Sunday morning is a stench. In the nostrils of God, if Monday is callous to these needs. If it does, if our piety does produce these things, the freeing of the oppressed, the feeding of the hungry, the housing of the homeless, the clothing of the naked, the putting away of belittling talk and demeaning gestures, then Bethlehem, your light will break forth. Like the dawn. All the rest of this text is promise, 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 promise of what would become of us if we were to devote ourselves to justice, mercy, overflowing from our faith in Jesus Christ. And we know now, from the way Jesus purchased it and lived it, that we don't earn the breaking of the dawn. He bought them for us. There are conditions for the breaking of the dawn. But the conditions are bought by the Savior and wrought by the Spirit. So let's read the promises. Verse 8. Then, when you live for these five needs, overflowing from your commitment to Christ and his life in other people, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Continues in the middle of verse 10. Then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. And make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden. Like a spring of water. Notice that. We're watered, we're springing, we're watered, we're springing. Like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up, raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Now, when I read that some days ago, I found myself saying, oh, God, that would look beautiful in Roseville. That would look beautiful in downtown Minneapolis. Would you grant us to become that? And there's a pathway. Wouldn't it be beautiful? Listen to them. I'll just sum them up. This is what God does for people who pour themselves out for the poor around the world light in darkness, healing for wounds, righteousness in front and the glory of God behind. A God who hears when we cry, guidance from the Lord, satisfaction for our souls in scorched places, our very bones made strong for battle. Being watered so fully and richly that we become springs of water that others may drink from and be refreshed. Being used by God to rebuild what has been destroyed in people's lives or in culture. All of this promised to people whose piety produces a passion for social justice and mercy. Instead of just Being pious on Sunday and doing everything the world does Monday through Saturday. With no different passions for how to use your time, how to use your house, how to use your car, how to use your money, and how to use your entrepreneurial creativity for the nations. Free the oppressed, feed the hungry, house the homeless. Clothe the naked and put an end to belittling gestures and words. This is the will of God. This is the work of Jesus. And this is the way to the breaking forth of the dawn in your clouded life. Ralph Winter, bless his great global heart, used to say that. The reason Americans suffer the way they do, not from persecution, but from heart attacks and hardening of the arteries and strokes and all kinds of stuff, is because we have not, as a nation, a lifestyle poured out for the nations. Our lifestyles are all us. And it kills us. It kills us psychologically. And it kills us physically because we were designed to pour ourselves out for others. If you've got a dream that God's been putting in your heart, that's what I'm after. I want dreams. The staff cannot create the hundred ministries that are needed out of this church to do this. If you're looking to us to create it, it will not happen. We must facilitate, we must so pray, so lead, so preach, so mobilize, so encourage that you are free to do this in ways we'd never even dream of helping you do it. And then we'll help you do it. And now Jesus, spiritually and socially, eternally and historically piously and practically make us a people who do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Roseville and all the surrounding communities and downtown and all the surrounding neighborhoods, And all the people said, Amen. Dismissed.